Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Hallway Wrestling Podcast, a special episode of the Hallway Wrestling Podcast. Uh, after last week's uh, interview with Louis Dangor, uh, I'm delighted to be joined. Um, I'm the manager, and I forgot Rain, obviously, and I'm delighted to be joined this week by US sports editor and presenter at TalkSport and uh, Dominic Mysterio lookalike, if you will. Uh, Alex McCarthy, how are you, Alex? I was all right. I, I was getting a great intro to you hit me with the Dominic Mysterio <laughs> line. Um, do you Quizzle know what? Quick Quizlemania fan, of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, there you go. I, I actually um, put up a, a video today of the, the hotel I'm in, and somebody had the gall to say I look like James Ellsworth. That has got to be the lowest of the lows. I, I did not appreciate that at all. So, in in fact, I'll take Dominic Mysterio over yeah, that. Th- yeah, yeah, you have a... You have a nice, nice chin. <laughs> where, 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 that's the big, the big uh, giveaway that you don't look like James Ellsworth. Yeah, but, but uh, yeah, you are reporting live from MK Don Stadium. Uh, anything interesting going on there? Not really, mate. <laughs> um, MK Don's in Ipswich. So literally, for anyone who hasn't seen, uh, my hotel room looks out on the stadium, on the pitch at MK Don's, and they're playing Ipswich today. And it's one all, but not the most interesting affair. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah and and you will be listening to this three weeks in advance. So don't go looking for the match if when we're talking about you uh, won't anyway. But yeah, <laughs> no, you won't. Um, you are uh, before we get on to a bit of wrestling. You are, of course, a um, as I've learned, you are a Newcastle fan. Uh, how do you feel your season is uh, minus the Saudis? Uh, you didn't get the Man City treatment. How do you feel your season's gonna go? You seem to be blowing hot, blowing hot and cold so far. Yeah, I mean, for me with Newcastle, right? Like, so even even all through the takeover talk, which went on forever, I still never really thought to myself. Like, I never got my hopes up because it's just what Newcastle do. Like, it never happens. And mm. and Mike Ashley, you know, he keeps making all the right noises, but never really follows through. Um, but what I will say for him is this summer he did actually put his hand in his pocket a little bit, and I'm really happy with the signings that we got. I think Jeff Hendrick is a, is a smart bit of business for nothing. Um, Callum Wilson is is the kind of when you look at we spent forty million on Jalinton, <laughs> and then we spent I, I, I think twenty on Callum Wilson, um, you know, and he's for me he's proven Premier League pedigree, and I like it when we get in British players and not you know just these foreign sort of speculative signings. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, I mean, because you've got to be remember, Newcastle have never, like, before the £40 million deal, we hadn't broken our transfer record in, like, 15 years. So, for us to then spend money on someone who clearly was just a gamble is just, yeah, silly. So, I'm very happy. Uh, Ryan Frazier, Jamal Lewis, all very good signings. I think um, we're heading in the right direction. Yeah, uh, there was a popular theory that, he was doing these signings to kind of get a break the top 10 and then the offer might come in for a buying the club but that's if you're playing devil's advocate but you have to kind of play that with Mike Ashley all the time but well, yeah yeah um uh, starting off um uh, in my research I found out um from other interviews that you worked for a company called uh, Give Me Sport which is where you got your start um and how was that how did that come about and how did it set you up for the future and kind of we'll talk a bit about that for start so, Gimme Sport was kind of a weird one. Like I, when I, um, like I graduated from university and I kind of mucked around and didn't really get the work experience, so I found it very hard to break in. So, um, I had to four years after that, I had to go back to college and get an NCTJ. Which, for anyone listening who doesn't know what that is, that's essentially a qualification to work for a newspaper. You know, you learn the law of being a journalist and uh, all of these kind of things. And so, I had to go back and get that, and then I got work experience with that. And then I was ready for jobs. All of a sudden, I found it much easier to get interviews. And I actually got one with Give Me Sport. Um, and I didn't get it, which was um, upsetting at the time. And I, was, I, I remember after the interview, the guy said, look, uh, if you want to do some freelance work for us, that would be fine. And I thought, well, you know, I'm not going to turn my nose up at it. Obviously, it's money. So I said yes. Um, and then I think about six months after that, they secured the NBA partnership. Um, so they became like the NBA's official UK outlet. And I just messaged them saying, look, like, are you looking for any staff writers to, you know, to help you with the NBA? And they, they said, actually, we are. I got put in a pool of like 10 freelancers and they said, OK, we're going to make one of you our actual full time staff writer, which just so happened to luckily be me at the end of the day. Um, so 
it was kind of really an uphill battle just just to get there. Mm. Um, and when I got there, the guy that didn't hire me had left, but he would return like two years later. And I always kind of <laughs> love to remind him, like, yeah, do you remember when you didn't give me a job? And uh, you know, biggest so, mistake of um, your life. <laughs> well, this is, uh, to be fair, he's he's proud of me now, so it's great. But <laughs> back, th- back then, it was uh, it was funny, man. And so I kind of made my way doing NBA stuff in the company. That was the first thing that I did. But I always said. I always made it clear that if there was WWE to be written, and I knew we did write about it on the website, that I would be very happy to do that. Um, just wanted to let them know that I had more strings to my bow. Um, but, it, I mean, the first few months were just kind of... I mean, the NBA doesn't really do great traffic, to be frankly, uh, to be frank even. And as much as I love it, it was kind of like unfulfilling, no one really reading your work. But then I kind of graduated to, you know, they, they saw that I was a decent writer overall, so they let me do other things. And the more I got into WWE and the more numbers they saw, it was like, wow, um, you know, maybe we should just let Alex handle this. So I, I eventually, so I became the US editor and then eventually I just became solely the WWE lead. And that was like going to cover SummerSlams, WrestleManias. Um, you know, I, 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 that was where I started building up this portfolio of interviews that I've done. Uh, and making the connections that I've got today. So it's it definitely started with Gimme Sport. Without them, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. Um, and man, it was, it was a great place to learn. I recommend it to anyone who is looking to get into the journalist game because they have an academy there that you can sign up to and then they will pay you to do shifts and you kind of learn as you go. And as long as you've got something about you and um, you know an, inter- an interest or a study in writing, they'll give you a chance. So... Um, yeah, it was a, it was a great learning ground for me, and that is essentially where I made my name as a WWE guy. Because then Talksport, after seeing me cover it at one WrestleMania, basically made me an offer and said, "How would you like to come and do that for us?" They they didn't even have that job before yeah. I went I went there. It's the same as Give Me Sport. There was no WWE lead. They just made it because I was good at it. And it's the same as Talksport. They just said, "Look, we we you know there's a lot of WWE uh, well and wrestling." audience out there we'd like to get a piece of that how would you feel about coming to do it for us so um even though i was a bit hesitant because i thought oh man i don't know like I, 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 it's a very cool opportunity and being the u.s editor of Talksport, of course you know like this weekend i'm away doing boxing and some weekends it's ufc but like my passion and i think everyone can tell that by my twitter is certainly wwe so yeah talk sport um have taken it up a level but give me sport is certainly where it started yeah um like I'm starting my journalism degree in here in Ireland on Monday, so um, that's actually quite interesting that you say that. Um, and uh, obviously, you just you mentioned Talksport. Um, for those who don't know Talksport, where have you been? Um, it's one of the biggest outlets in uh, the world uh, in terms of sport. Now, um, you probably would have seen it most mostly uh, through your the Facebook and the Twitter clips of people phoning into the. Uh, <laughs> football show getting irrationally angry after football matches um that's one of my every time a a you see the um thumbnail of someone uh, in the studio and uh, someone getting angry it's always an entertaining listen but um what that doesn't show is that is an uh, you've done an amazing job with the um the wrestling and the uh, fight um section of that i mean you're away with on a matchroom boxing event this week and you just had an interview out with kyle o'reilly who uh, listeners will know is my favorite now my favorite wrestler in the world from the work he's done in the last year and i cannot wait for this sunday with finn balor but uh yeah so how um how how did you turn uh in, how, did, how did Talksport come about and what have been some of the great moments that you've had there so yeah like i say i mean i i, I never actually, i didn't even really know much about Talksport's website you know i obviously knew that the radio station was um their bread and butter and what they're known for but when the when the website approached me and said, look, we'd like to, to get you on board and do all this stuff. I was just like, okay, you know, I took a meeting with them. Um, and the fact that I had done UFC and boxing and stuff for give me sport. Like I always handled fight nights for give me sport anyway. Um, and the fact that I'd done that was appealing to them. They were like, you know, we, we obviously want to grow that too. And you know, how about you just actually be the U S editor? And I was like, well, you know, that sounds great because the thing with wrestling, as much as I adore it, if you pigeonhole yourself that way, there's not many places to go, right? Mm. Like if, in the in the country right now, it's niche. It is. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've just I've said to you already in this chat, I didn't have that that job didn't exist to give me sport until I had it. The job at Talksport didn't exist until I had it. 
like that it's I'm, it's very hard to explain but like there's not many websites that just have somewhat you know a fully well paid at that um somebody who just handles wwe you have to kind of be versatile and do other things and bring other things to the table because not many websites are going to prioritize wwe that way and i know that is slowly changing um and i'd like to think some of the work i've done has certainly helped with that certainly in talk sport yeah but um there's been a you know in my career it's been an uphill struggle without a doubt so um getting into give me sport uh sorry talk sport it was when i got there and i've said this story a few times but like they'd only done i think 20 or thirty thousand clicks the year prior and then we had 14 million clicks my first year there so like the growth was just insane and they couldn't ignore it and i'd been saying about halfway because it was on like seven thousand seven million whatever it was and I said to the main boss of TalkSport, which is who is impossible to get a meeting with, by the way, but I'm, I kind of just... Like Vinny uh, Mike himself. Yeah, I, ju- I just literally hounded him down until he couldn't ignore me. Um, and I just said, look, you know, the audience is clearly here. TalkSport is kind of becoming known with wrestling in the UK now because of the, our work. So we should have a show. And they were like, mm. a bit, at first they were a bit like, eh, I don't know. And it took, it took about six months to become t- to reality. And then, uh, you know, in typical fashion, when it did, it was really fast. And you know, you're like, come, it kind of comes out of nowhere almost. But um, yeah, I'm super glad that it did. Without a doubt, that, that milestone is incredible because 20 years, I think, it was off air, the wrestling show that TalkSport originally had. Mm. And for, uh, for me to feel like the work that I directly did led to that show returning, because I'm a one-man band at TalkSport. I don't, you know, all my, even before zoom um i had to film all my interviews and i had you know do all the recordings and do everything on my own and um so it's quite fulfilling to see something that you have built yourself kind of rise and become something um you know i almost i didn't expect it to be as quick to be honest but i'm so grateful and happy that it has yeah you haven't had time to smell the roses because you've just been go 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 mm. like and like um you talk about you're there you're on business in um MK with the matchroom boxing, uh, a little bit of a sidetrack. Um, I don't know if you were, were you covering the event where Zelfa Barrett fought um, Ireland, uh, the Irish fighter Eric Donovan? That was a very, very interesting fight that um, a few of the lads in the chat uh, brought up when I said I was interviewing you. Oh, no, I wasn't there for that one. No, what, no. What was, uh, was... I, I, so this is the first one that um, I've actually come into because the thing with boxing in talk sport, um, so I went to fight camp. But I didn't like go to the bubble, if that makes sense. I went for like a day, and then that was before they actually had the first show. And then the thing is, because Talks will have their own show called um, Fight Night with like Gareth Davis and people like that. Oh yeah. Typically, typically they'll handle the boxing as like I would the WWE. But um, it just so happened this this uh, card, we didn't have anyone available, and they were like, "How do you want to do it?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I do." Oh, okay, okay, I understand that. <laughs> um... But yeah, um, onto like what my my favorite um, content coming out uh, coming from your channels is the interviews that you do with all the wrestlers. Um, I, I you and Louie are like when I'm doing when I'm try, trying to get into the interview game. It's something you two are two of them, the people that I look at and kind of take bits and pieces to try and mold into my own stuff. But um, like it's a very broad question. I asked Louie this, and he was like, "Well, wow, that's very broad." It's uh, what makes a good interview. <laughs> well Louis's not wrong but at the same time you know what's quite fascinating about what you just said like Louis is pretty new to the game man so for him to have um established himself like he has so quickly i feel like um is a testament to the good work that he has done and, and um yourself as well it's fantastic well sure but i mean um i i think my first i actually had a post about this not long ago my first wwe interview was four years just over four years ago with the big show and um you know, for, for Louis, by context, uh, contrast even, he's probably like a year or so into it, really. So I, I, I'm definitely impressed with how far he's come oh, and what yeah. he's done. And I'm always rooting for other people in the UK to kind of uh, come along and uh, and help that space because, you know, having peers is great. It makes everyone better. Um, I'm not this. I'm not the kind of person that subscribes to, um, you know, I, I don't know, putting other people down to raise your own stock or anything yeah, like it's, that. It's I, horrible, yeah. I feel like um, it's better to, it's better for UK wrestling and, you know, the UK as a whole, 
if we have more people doing it well and being successful, and that goes for like Gary Cassidy, Steph Chase, there's a whole there's a whole um, catalogue of people that I think will break out in the near future. Uh, but Louis is certainly one of the most recent. But what makes a good interview, man? Um, I think um, a lot of people kind of say when they when they watch mine that I, I it looks like I have a good rapport with who I'm interviewing. Like generally speaking, it's very relaxed and kind of conversational almost. And um, I know that's easier said than done. A lot of people will say that to you. Like, you know, just make it like a conversation. But um, I definitely have some. Yeah, sometimes there's different characters and you kind of have to adjust to different people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you do. And it's like, you know, being able to read a tone as well and like read the room per se. Um, not a lot of people kind of have that skill. Early on in my interviewing career, I'd go into it thinking like, this is what I want. This is what I need to ask. And it was like, no matter what, that's what was going to happen. Do you know what I mean? And as I've got older, I've realized that kind of either, you know, you need to be flexible with the order in what you ask things and and maybe like calculated and how you broach a topic and mm -hmm. you make it not seem as daunting or as you know clinical as it might do otherwise so a lot of it, it just is in your personality if you are a welcoming warm kind of person that will shine through and um i think for me now as well like obviously a lot of the superstars i've got to know at this point so mm -hmm. if they if we're going to talk it'll be like oh you know last time we spoke about this and there's a so there's a certain comfort level with that them knowing that you know knowing your work and having dealt with you before that does help. Mm. But I think, um, most of it for me, a good interviewer breaks down into the interviewer themselves and how they, you know, how you project your personality. You don't want to be overbearing, but you want to be welcoming and warm. And it really is the, the questions, right? Like if you don't have good questions, it doesn't matter if you're the nicest person in the world or if they like you the most, it doesn't matter. You need to have good questions. Yeah. So, um, I think one thing that I've always my my interview work has kind of been the backbone of a lot of what I've done because I ask the right questions mostly. Like I ask the kind of things as a hardcore wrestling fan like I am that I'd want to know. You know, exactly, I, want, yeah. I, I want a match and I want to know who put it together. I want to know what was said backstage about it. I want to know it all the ins and outs that people find so interesting. But a lot of people kind of miss those points when they do interviews. So I feel like that also garners a lot of respect and a relationship in an interview too, because they know what you're talking about. They know that you're invested in what they've been doing or, you know what I mean? I think all of that is very important. Uh, yeah, Louis was right. This is broad as hell, but yeah, there's a exactly. lot, there's a lot that goes into it. And I think everyone gets better with time that, that you know, repetition in anything is vital. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, this is probably a question for like early Alex, but uh, is there any interview where before you press the, uh, the, uh, like the call button before you got onto the call that you were like like daunted or like that felt daunting or you were scared about or do you still do you still get nervous when you talk to people today i'm assuming you don't but was there any big um personalities that were like oh this this is nerve-wracking um yeah i mean uh, do you know what when i when i get nervous about things it's not it's not necessarily who i'm going to talk to it's that i just want it to be good yeah so i'm, I'm more nervous about how the interview will go rather than who I'm talking to. And I think, you know, like when I remember when I had the 25 minute sit down with Triple H in Cardiff, which um, I like kind of made my, made my career in a lot of eyes, like or like opened a lot of eyes to it, I should say. Um, and before that, I was nervous. I was like, you know, a lot of people get this amount of time with him. I need to maximize. I need to make sure I ask the right questions. And luckily you know, I did. I had a lot, you know, people like Sam Roberts or Drew McIntyre got DM'd me after saying that was how great it was. And that was so fulfilling to hear. Um, but, you know, that's kind of what you strive for every time, I guess. It doesn't matter who it is. Right. So yeah. even um, whatever interview I do, I come away and, I, you know, and I approach it with certain goals and certain things that I want to get from it. And it doesn't always work out that way, you know, but I guess if you uh, always lead your best foot forward, then it doesn't matter. I, I, you know, in terms of nerves, I think um, I, I had Chris Jericho before the last AEW pay-per-view, and it was the first time I had him, like, long form. I've had oh, him yeah. for, like, five, five, ten minutes before, but this was, like, 25, 30. And, um, and he, Jericho is someone who, he's great, but, like, if you ask him the wrong kind of questions, he'll 
you know, he, he won't he won't um, hesitate to, <laughs> to so, tell yeah. you or you know, yeah or to to go that way. So you kind of think, right, you know, I need to make this. And you got to remember as well, he was doing like a media tour almost. He'd spoken to so many people. So there's there's that as well. We think I don't want to do too much overlapping or you know. Also, out, yeah. yeah, at the same time, like you don't want to grab the lines everyone else has got. So it's um. It's it's always tough in that regard. I think that's one of the main things, really. Like, I worry about what I'm going to ask them and what I'm going to get from it because there's there's so many times where you'll get, you know, you got like all these inside scoopsters these days in wrestling, right? Yeah. All these people that claim to have sources and stuff, and some of them do. Um, but I mean, in an interview, you can pull out so much if you just ask the right questions, and that mm. is as effective, if not more, because it's from the horse's mouth than sources say. So yeah. I always kind of really take a lot of pride in the interview work. Yeah. Um, and um, is there anybody in the best way possible, is there anybody who you were like surprised by? Who you're like, you came away being like, oh, I thought I had a perception of this guy and he's actually a lot nicer or a lot more different man, different attitude or per se, for want of a better term. Is there anybody mm. you were surprised by? Um, I don't know, because they're always kind of, it's in their interest to be on their best behavior, right? Like oh, they yeah. don't, they don't they don't it's not really for them to be it won't it won't serve them or wwe for them to be that way so i think they're always generally on their best behavior but um there's definitely a few like um heels that i've spoken to and you meet them and they are so nice like <laughs> unbelievably nice um like Ginny is one in NXT uk she's like the uh, rhea ripley i remember i met her for the first time just after like the tegan knox um knee thing it was a few months after that and she was like the monster hill in nxt uk and she was like the the nicest person in the world um so you get a lot of that where they surprise you um in terms of like i don't think i've ever interviewed anyone and they've had like a bad attitude and i've thought you know in wrestling it's less like for instance i spoke to Derek chisori yesterday for the first time and he's like a volatile character and i thought to myself God, you worry about what to ask him, but then as you get going, you think, oh, actually, like that, he was like he was cool yesterday. Um, same as like a, ask him, ask him about was laxative pills or whatever he was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this is it as well. Like um, Dillian White is another one who I used to write his column for Talksport, and um, so I, I kind of got to know him. But having been around him, I had lunch with him and you know um, been to his fights and whatever. Like spoke to him on the phone weekly at one point. I know as well that like if he if he's in a bad mood, <laughs> he's not someone you want to be in the way of. So like, there's a there, there's a lot of people like that. And um, but I feel like in terms of wrestling interviews, I've never everyone's been nothing but nice to me thus far. I, mean, I guess I guess I'm lucky in that regard. Yeah, well that that, that that's a testament to you as well. Um, because if if you're a nice person, people are being nice to you. It reflects on the interview. Um, I put some questions to a friend on Twitter, and I got an interesting one here. Um. Uh, from Rory, one of my good friends. Uh, lack of proper chanting in US sports um, is title. And he was like, every time the UK fans go over to WrestleMania weekend, the audience seems more engaged. Um, mm. it, to me, it's not just a bigger event that they travel for, but it's also like different sporting cultures. Do you have any comment on that as someone who you're probably the perfect person to talk about because you're a US represent and you are from the UK. So you've, you've seen both sides quite in depth. And I was yeah. wondering what the comparisons were. Yeah, absolutely, and that's the thing. Like the WWE, um, you know, WWE as as a as a PR and as a company and the superstars, they all love like the English fans. That's pretty much their favorite because it's going to be a raucous show. It's going to be a loud show, and you know, thing you know, in the Attitude Era, if you ever watch on the on the network, the shows were, were kind of always that way, like loud anyway. And I guess we've just moved away from that with the demographic because it's more younger. I guess it's more families that go to the show as opposed to, I don't know, guys in their 20s drinking. So I think um, for me, it's like a culture of English fans. Like, obviously, if you go to a football game, it's chanting pretty much the whole way, unless it's Arsenal. And then you, <laughs> you're like, uh, I just feel that it's not that US fans don't, don't chant or anything, but it is different. And when you go to those... Um, like Raw after WrestleMania shows, they're some of the best shows I've ever been to, just for atmosphere-wise. And it is chock full of Europeans who have obviously got the packages for the WrestleMania weekend. Um, 
I, I, I don't know why there's such a difference, but I know that WWE do really value it, and um, they've played into it so much. I, I honestly think, when I say they've played into it, I mean, like, they have the two UK tours a year, and um, they obviously highly promote kind of the Raw after WrestleMania, where they know that they're going to be some crazy fans. Um, but I do honestly believe, and was told, that WWE had plans to have a UK pay-per-view this year before the pandemic really put things on hold. Um Okay. Drew, Mac- Drew McIntyre has kind of alluded to as much without without actually saying. Um, so I do I do think that they're taking the UK market a lot seriously, and the vast majority of that is down to the fans. Yeah. Um, speaking of Drew and UK pay per view, Drew in the main event of a UK pay per view, who would you put him up against? Uh, so do you know do you know what the terrible answer here is? like Tyson Fury, which they're clearly angling towards. Yeah. Um, I don't have a lot of hunger to see that. Mm. I, you know, I mean, I, uh, I mean, great range, for, yeah. yeah, I mean, great for Drew in a way, like if for that exposure, because, you know, it, it would be a mainstream thing here in the UK. It would be massive. Like everyone would cover it. So I understand from a WWE perspective why they would do that. Yeah, I, I'm thinking like Drew, Big E. I don't know because Big E's quite that mainstream appeal. He's probably going to go over Sheamus next week. If I was to pick one out of the air, Drew against Big E would be big. <laughs> There's a lot more better options than Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury. Could, oh yeah, yeah. I'm just saying from a from a WWE perspective, I get it. I mean, it's not what I want. Um, no, and no. I think after after watching Tyson Fury with Braun Strowman, all right, Braun Strowman's not walking him through it like Adam Cole would have walked through Pat McAfee, right? Mm. But um, by the same token, Tyson Fury just didn't move well <laughs> in a WWE ring. It just didn't look visually yeah. great. Yeah, um, so the no-sell was what? a bit awkward as well. <laughs> the, the what? The no-sell at the end of that match. Just yeah, honest. yeah, just just all of it was a bit... Meh. I mean, I for, for me... Um, if you're doing that on a pay-per-view, then you've got to have Drew against the, the biggest draw you've got, hopefully. And that would be like, to me, that's a reigns. And they've spoken a little bit about having that kind of title versus title, or champ versus champ at the very least. Mm. Um, you know, I, it, it's, it's hard to, to say. But, I mean, if you're, the, if you're the champ, you want to put him against, you know, arguably the biggest draw, make it the biggest feeling match possible to sell it to the British public but I feel like WWE think that's Tyson Fury which um, kind of is a shame yeah um, back to the interviews um, momentarily um, I don't know if you've had many of these but um, uh, Louis had his dad come in in the middle of an interview have you ever had any funny moments um, during interviews with, with where it be a wrestler doing something or saying something have you ever had any moments that, that stuck in your mind uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've I've had a few just just recently. Uh, my kids love to do run-ins, right? I've got two um, two daughters, two mm-hmm. and four, and uh, so with Eddie Hearn as well. The other day, like literally about two weeks ago, the very start of the interview, my two-year-old sprinted in like she's too fast for my for my partner, um, <laughs> and and then like, yeah, with Ilya Dragunov as well, she did the same. Like the other one's older and understands a bit better, so I can kind of like kind of give her the signal, like, no, go away. Um, <laughs> but the, the the two-year-old, just she just comes storming in. And, uh, yeah, like, that's pretty much the main uh, disruptor <laughs> when it comes to my interviews. Yeah. Um, uh, I have a question here that I put down. Um, this, this isn't probably, like, best match. It's probably, it might be the same answer. But, like, if you were to, you had one of your friends who wasn't a wrestling fan, and they were like, you've got one match to get me into wrestling and get me on board, what match would you pick? Uh, so, uh, so hard, that question. Like, I, I think... Um, so, a lot... Wrestling is so subjective, mm. right? That what I like and what I find amazing about wrestling might be different to, uh, like, a New Japan diehard or, like, an ECW nostalgic feel like there's so many varieties of wrestling that for you to to try and grab someone from the jump is hard because a lot of what's amazing about wrestling is the story that's laden into it right so it's kind of hard to 
to pack that into into mm-hmm. one match and say. But I mean, Austin Bret Hart uh, Mania thirteen is is a given. Like that's that's amazing. I think Rock Austin from WrestleMania seventeen because the video package there will explain everything you need to know. And also, it's just the two biggest stars the business has ever seen. Um, but conversely, I think as well, like the the, the TLC match at, at WrestleMania seventeen is so mental. That like if you were watching it for the first time and you thought wrestling was fake, you'd be like, "Wow, this is mad!" Like, it's, you know, it, it, even though like, okay, it's scripted, but damn, that's dangerous. Like, that might open people's eyes a little bit to it too. So it all depends. Like, you know, of course, you've you've got Kenny Omega and Okada. I, I probably Dominion's probably my favorite, maybe out of them. But there's there's a lot of different styles and and things that can attract different people to wrestling. But I tend to think. It's the grand spectacle and um, the, the the you know the amazing moments. You know that's that's what they always talk about, right? You, any wrestler will always tell you it's all about moments. Um, yeah. And and those, I think Rock Austin and the TLC two, I think that is, um, are the they kind of have a lot. They have a flavor of everything, which will kind of get you gripped. Yeah, um, I've another fan question here. It's quite a load of question. Um, quite similar, um, similar thing to the last one. Um, the likes of Zack Sabre Jr., Chad Gable, Suzuki, and like ta- technical Japanese wrestlers, and um, seem only seem to be appreciated in the states by like diehard wrestling fans. Uh, even on AEW, but then conversely on AEW, it seems like people lean towards the guys doing like high risk moves. Um, and then like WWF and WCW, you throw in like technical guys and. JR was getting over their movesets, but he fit, now it feels like he struggles to get over the people in AEW because it's just a completely different moveset. Have you ever um, have you ever noticed that, or have you got any comments on why that may be, or why different styles are hard to get over for different people? Yeah, I mean, uh, first of all, I spoke to Kid Gabriel only a couple of weeks ago, um, and of course, like, there's a lot of British talent that are super versed in that style. Um, you know, it's come a long way over the past couple of decades. But I feel like even going back to William Regal and before that, there is like that inherent English style. Um, in, yeah, it kind of, it's kind of suited to Japan, to be honest. But the thing is with WWE, and I'll give an example. They had Sami Zayn and Daniel Bryan face each other at WrestleMania. Mm. But it wasn't really Daniel Bryan and Sami Zayn. Do you know what I mean? Like they could have had a Matt Classic. They could have had like an absolute show stealer for 20 minutes. But instead, they book Sami Zayn a certain way and it detracts from how good he actually is. Like he's got this cowardly heel stuff and then he can't really do what Sami Zayn does. And then as a result, you don't get the match you think you're getting. So on paper, Daniel Bryan, Sami Zayn, amazing. Um, Translates though differently. And I feel like that's the same with announcers sometimes where... Uh, like JR is, is uh, <laughs> I don't want to like bury him because he is like my childhood hero in terms of announcing. He is like the voice of wrestling. Um, but he's always kind of focused on like their background where like, oh, this guy played football in high school or whatever, rather than what's actually transpiring in front of him in the ring and kind of the origins of that maybe. Do you know what yeah. I mean? He's, yeah. I, I, I would say JR is more of like, an athletic background than a technical one. So, and there's nothing wrong with that because you can compliment him with people like Excalibur, who is actually pretty well versed in in what he's seeing in front of him. Um, it's just, uh, I think Jr. He's still he's still good. Like he still has those calls where it's like that only Jr. could call it, but it's not it's not going to be the same as he was in in the Attitude Era or whatever. And even then, I don't think he was really ever pointing out. You know, it might have said where people train or whatever, but he's not going to tell you what you know Chris Benoit was doing in the ring or whatever. So, um, I, gu- I guess it's all about pairings, really. Yeah, it's like um, like G- like Jim Ross. I know he's le- legendary, but like one example I keep using when people are like, "Why don't you like Jim Ross right now?" It's like Jungle Boy. He keeps saying his name differently every time he announces him. It's like it's hard yeah. to get behind someone. It just it it sometimes it feels like with the Jericho matches. Yeah, you can feel him into it. But, like, the main guys that I see in AEW right now, like Ricky Starks, Darby Allen, Ben Carter, uh, MJF, uh, Will Hobbs, Will Hobbs and Brian Cage is going to be insane next week. They're, like, mm. they're like five people who I could see the strap 
being put around our waist in like five or six years. So unless Jim Ross, like Jim Ross is going to have to be behind them because when that call happens and someone gets the bell put around them and Jim Ross is just sitting there and not putting any effort into it, how are you going to get people over in the mainstream as they're your top champion when one of your commentators doesn't care? Yeah, I, th- and I think a lot of people have said in terms of, uh, you know, like, like if you ever go back and watch Double or Nothing, and I didn't hear this at the time because, and I mean the first one, I didn't hear it his commentary at the time because I was there, I was in the stadium. But when they they were saying, you know, he was kind of like almost sleepy, but as soon as like the Moxley came out and, and the Jericho main event and he's he's lively, so maybe it is just a case of getting comfortable um or who who he's personally invested in, but I mean we could only really speculate that. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, okay, we get onto this question here that uh, I briefed you on earlier. Uh, Louis is named his survivor. <laughs> Louis is named his Survivor Series team uh, of Kenny Omega, Brock Lesnar, Minoru Suzuki, Jesus, uh, Dan- Daniel Bryan, and AJ Styles. That is a team. What team are you putting up to go against them of at current oh, match? So I got, hang on a minute, he gets first pick, five picks. That's very unfair. I mean, okay, okay, uh, okay, okay. We, we we can clone, we can clone some people. No, no, I mean, it's it's fine. I'll, I'll I'll take the challenge. So say it again: Lesnar, Suzuki, uh, Brian Styles, and Omega. Yep. Okay. Um, Reigns and Rollins, easiest two picks ever. Um, oh. I was just thinking of like like basically trying to match up like a Japan pick, but I mean I wouldn't have picked Suzuki anyway. But um, you know you got Okada, Tanahashi, mm. uh, Ibushi. Uh, oh god, uh, so many, so Takagi, so many. Takagi would be my pick personally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, or, or Osprey to be fair. Um, man, Jay, there's Jay, I'm loving Jay White in the, in the G. Yeah, Jay White. Yeah, I love Jay. I love, I love Jay White too. Love Jay White. Um. God, yeah, Jay White's hard not to pick here. That's the same thing. Like when I think of um, AEW, for me, like and who I personally enjoy, I love Cody Rhodes. Like I'm a big Cody guy. I felt like um, maybe six yeah. months ago when he was running as a babyface, he was just on fire. Like, yeah, you know, he so, was like the, so good. The hottest babyface in the company at one point. I've got I've got Reigns and Rollins just because I think that both of them are doing kind of the you know, the top work of their career right now in different regards. Um, it's hard to match it. Like, it's hard to match up like a Lesnar or anyone like that. Um, I would say... Imagine Lesnar, imagine Lesnar and Takagi or Lesnar and Ishii in the ring. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, well, this is it, yeah. <laughs> um, do you know what? It's funny as well. When I think of Kota Ibushi... Like it's 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 so hard to remember that he actually was like in NXT and he was in the cruiserweight tournament and <laughs> anti high five Vince McMahon without knowing who he is. Oh, Ibushi <laughs> stories give me strength when I hear them. It's yeah, and now and now he's jacked as anyone's ever been jacked before in their whole entire lives. Um, yeah, I just, man, it's hard. Um, I. I'm gonna, oh, I want. <laughs> I keep thinking like, oh, I'm going to say Okada, and then I was like, no, I'm not going to say Okada. But like, two or three years ago, I might have said Okada without even hesitation. Um, Daniel Bryan's a real robbing pick as well. Um, I mean, Daniel Bryan could wrestle himself. We're not. He could easily. We're not. He could easily. You, you could be Bryan Danielson <laughs> if you want. <laughs> yeah. Um, God, yeah. I mean, if if again, like he's taken. A lot of the ones that I, it's certainly two or three that I would have taken. But I think if I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and spread it around the promotions a little bit. Um, so I am gonna have Tanahashi. Um, he's gonna be alongside Reigns and Rollins, and I'm gonna have Cody from AEW just because I really like him, and. I need a big man to counter Lesnar. Um... So who's the four you have so far? Rollins, Reigns, Cody. And... I've got Rollins. I've got Rollins. I've got Reigns. I've got Cody. I've got Tanahashi. Okay. Um. God. 
truly terrible, truly terrible decision to have to make. Who's a big man? Yeah, it doesn't even have to be a big man, does it? Let's be honest. You've got Reigns in there. Yeah, he's big-ish. <laughs> I think he's only about six two to be. But to be fair, that was only six three. But um <laughs> so hard. I've got so many favourite wrestlers, I don't know why Sean it's so Kane Velasquez. Yeah, imagine. Kane <laughs> um yeah, I don't know. I'm just gonna have to I'm I'm just gonna pick Big E to take on Lesnar oh, just because yes. I like Big just because I like Big E very much. Um so yeah, Love that'd it. be a good team. That is a that is a fantastic Survivor Series lineup. Um, I I think I'm going to keep that as my regular question on this uh, podcast because it seems to get good, uh, good thoughts and emotions out of. <laughs> um, yeah. but um, I think uh, inter broad question. Sorry for Alex for this, but uh, a dream interview. You've probably you've done you've you've done a lot. Um, mm. uh, Louis said his uh, his stunt double uh, Tony Khan after. Saying he saying Vince, but then quickly dispelling it. But then he said Tony Khan. Um, but um, is there anybody you haven't interviewed that you'd want to interview or that you'd think you'd mesh well with? Well, I think um, I mean Vince is is the goal. Like everyone would love Vince, but it's just not realistic, is it? So um, I think for me, it'd be The Rock. Um, mm. I I I think like he was my hero. He's what he's what really got me into wrestling. Um, I just, I just feel like I'd have so much to share with him, or like, like beyond the generic stuff that people interview him with. I think because I know his career so well, there's a lot of kind of interesting, intricate questions I could ask him about specific points in his career. Um, I think that would be just a great. I, I really do think that'd be a great interview. Um, so I think, I think, I think Vince is like the long, long, long shot, and The Rock is the long shot. Um, you know, other than that, maybe like a Cena. I haven't had Cena before, so there's a lot of stuff to ask him too. Um, yeah, I, I, th- yeah. I think that that's probably the top three. Yeah, get on to Chris Van Vliet um, and ask him for the Rock's number. I <laughs> know. Um, oh, I believe uh, we've had this con- we've had this conversation. Trust me. <laughs> or just post photos of Terman and Tequila every day for the next four years, and <laughs> you might know. But um, yeah, and I'm gonna end the. I don't want to keep it too long, so I'm gonna end with um, a question that um, I've asked a few people. Um, we see you interviewing wrestlers and talking about um, and doing a great job in the wrestling world. But what are your passions or um, hobbies outside wrestling? When you obviously, I'm assuming you all love you love a switch off from your day to day job. Um, <laughs> I, I'm assuming it, it sounds like a great job, but when you do it every day, I'm assuming you. Just, what are, what are those switch offs for you? Is it family or is there other interests? So yeah, I mean, on, on like, I, I typically have kind of like maybe one full day off a week, and and I, I always spend that with my daughters. Like, give my missus a break. Want to spend time with my daughters? I'll go to play parks with them or whatever. Like that, pretty much every week I'll do something like that. Whether it be the park, whatever. Um, the at night, um, it was the gym. I hurt my knee recently though, so that's kind of been off the table for a little yeah. while. Um, but, uh, other than that, I'm a big gamer. So I like to, I play a lot of Call of Duty, play a lot of Warzone, um, FIFA. Like, this is the other thing as well for TalkSpot. I'm kind of like the gaming correspondent. So a lot of people send me games to play. So at the moment I'm like inundated. I've got to get through 2K's new basketball game and their new golf game. Um, and I'm, 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 yeah, I'm a big golf fan. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that, how the game is. Cause, um, hasn't been good since Tiger. Well, I mean, I'm a, Big Rory McIlroy fan, but that game wasn't good. <laughs> no, the Tiger Woods was the last great golf game. Yeah, the one. I mean, that, yeah, that's it. Yeah. The thing with uh, I won't get into it too much, but it, it's all right. That, that's yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. not like, it's yeah, nothing but, uh, like revolutionary, but it's it's kind of fun to play. Um, I think, uh, and I just played the UFC game as well that EA brought out, um, which is like fun and and kind of addictive to play. But then once you've kind of done your career which is very elementary stuff. It's just a bit like, oh, well, that's done. That's just so, fight as Anthony Josh, really. <laughs> yeah, well, this is it. Um, so, yeah, gaming is definitely there. Um, I do love to play football. I used to play. I used to get paid to play semi-professionally. Oh. Um, kind of from my teenage years to my late 
I think my last year at semi-pro was when my daughter was one. So that means I was 30, was I? 29, 30, something like that. And, um, but then it just became too hard with like the kids and, and my job. You know, like you get, you, like if, if I had an interview or something, for instance, and a lot of the interviews are late because it's American time. Mm. So, you know, a lot of them are kind of like six to seven or whatever kind of bang on when I would be training and I'd have to miss training and then you dropped and it was just like, I ain't doing this anymore. So um, I still play football at the weekends where possible, but my knees obviously put that to rest at the moment. So hoping to get back into that soon. So I guess the short answer of this drawn out answer that I'm giving you is gaming, uh, working out and my children, I guess. Yeah, yeah that's a man of many talents, a man of many talents. Um, <laughs> and I've decided um, since your interview with Kyle Riley was fantastic today, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, what do you see? Uh, I'm going to finish it with what do you see in Kyler Riley's future in the next year? Because I cannot wait to see him as a single star. Five matches since he joined NXT on his own uh, is not is just doing a disservice to someone who was just amazing selling emotion wrestling. Uh, him and Balor is going to be insane. I don't my 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 prediction is Balor, but I really want to I really want them to strap the North American belt to him. But um, I was interested to see what your take is on his future in NXT. Well, listen, I'm assuming, I'm assuming like I, you, you know full well about what Kyle O'Reilly has done in Ring of Honor and Wrestle Kingdom. 11. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and so guys like us know what he can do. Guys like us know what he brings to the table. Um, and for me, he, he's never fought Finn Balor, which is, I didn't actually realise that until he told me that. Like, yeah, they I, just I, yeah. Kind of, yeah, I got this morning they would have fought in like the best Super Juniors or something. I don't, I don't, yeah, that's, that's what I thought. But apparently, just as he got to Japan, Finn Balor had signed with NXT. So it's it's crazy how they've kind of missed each other. And, you know, we saw with Finn um, recently when he took on, to, uh, I think, was it Tim Thatcher, maybe? Mm, that, yeah. you know, he can do the Matt Classic stuff again. Um, you know, him and Carl, Carl was just so technical beyond people's comprehension, I think. Um, and a lot of his jujitsu he brings to the table, it's so entertaining. He meshes it maybe better than anyone in the game, like even better than maybe Riddle, who's like a full on MMA artist. I, um, I think O'Reilly kind of infuses his style into pro wrestling so, so well. Um, so I'm really excited to see what him and Finn can do. You just know it's going to be a banger. Oh, um, yeah. And there's a part of me that thinks that maybe that will be just a direction for him. Like, you know, like, I don't think Undisputed Era will break up anytime soon, but I think they realised that maybe there's a story there with him holding the belt and then, you know, Cole being a bit like, oh, you know, I, I don't know. Um, but I, I do think that after this match on Sunday that people are going to be far, they're, they're going to, people are going to be so hungry to see more that WWE are going to have no choice. Yeah, every cloud is ever lining because the, the term being thrown around is throwaway takeover, like it's been thrown together a bit. But if it wasn't thrown together, I don't think they would have put Kyle in the match with Finn. And now everyone's everybody's going to see just that it's going to be like it. Give them twenty minutes. Given the I I I for a review recently, I watched NXT Takeover London. Finn Balor and Samoa Joe went eighteen minutes in the main event and had an absolute barn burner. Do that again, just twenty minutes and fucking be amazing. Um, isn't that the, isn't that the thing sometimes where like people will equate like time to the significance of a match. I don't always think that correlates. Like I, I didn't need to see, I think what well, I think it was 30 minutes, maybe 40 minutes. I thought FTR and Omega and Paige was way too long when they, they, uh, sweating was, out of their, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's not, again, it's not their fault, but it was way too long. Um, it's it same as edge Norton at WrestleMania way too long. Like they they had a great match at Backlash that was kind of actually similar in length, but it was comprised totally different. And yeah. I feel like you know that 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 makes a, a big difference on these things. And you can have a truly banging main event, and it doesn't have to be north of twenty minutes or you know fifty. It could be sort of around the fifteen mark. Yeah, one 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 of my favorite. I don't know if you've seen this. You probably have. One of my favorite matches that I've watched this year. It hasn't didn't take place this year. It took place in Noah back in the day was Kenta versus Ricky Marvin. It was an amazing match. It clocked in bell to bell was one minute and 58 seconds. <laughs> and it was, it, it, it's free on YouTube and it's insane. It's yeah. just, it's sometimes just, it's, I mean, Bret Hart and was it Razor and one, two, three kid as well. This five minute match. That was fantastic. It doesn't need to be 40 minutes long, but um, yeah, Kyle, the, the, there's no ceiling for Kyle. And uh, I think that's where we'll end it. Cause I know you're a very busy man. Um, 
not that you need any pl- plugging, but can you please tell us where we can find you on Twitter okay. and all the interviews that um, where we can find your interviews and everything. Just plug everything away. Absolutely. Um, so it's Alex M underscore Talksport. That's where you'll find me on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, talksport.com forward slash wrestling is where you'll find all my written interviews and general WWE news. But you'll find the videos on Inside the Ropes. They are hosting my uh, interviews at the moment and Kyle O'Reilly will be up in the coming day. And, uh, well, you say actually this is going to be three days old. So it's up already, all right? Um, and uh, what's the other thing that I want to say? Oh, no, yeah, I've got a show. But I keep forgetting. I have a radio show that's on every Monday, uh, 7 till 9 on TalkSport 2. We have great guests, um, you know, with all the interviews that I get done and live guests too. So feel free to check it out. Yeah, and uh, he, uh, as I was doing my research, he also have a YouTube channel that has a lot of the interviews up there with like Otis and Matt Riddle and every, every, everybody. Um, so yeah, um, it's um, the thing with that is um, so I, I, I am still putting stuff up there, but generally speaking, at the moment, um, I've partnered with Inside the Ropes just because of their reach and stuff. So feel free to subscribe to my YouTube channel, but also definitely catch my stuff on Inside for, the Ropes. Yep, Inside the Ropes is fantastic. So many good interviews. Um, that was amazing. Um, I'm just gonna say follow us on Hallway Grabs Pod um tpublic.com forward slash high wrestling podcast we actually have merch you can get a baby grow with my face on it it's scary <laughs> but, uh there's a site say site-wide sale going on uh, we've loaded t-shirts up there uh logos og logos and um, the man genetics forgot t-shirts um we're a very young brand but um go check that out and uh this has been an amazing interview this today has been very good louis and alex coming on has been uh, an honor to be talked to them both um and um so thanks very much, Alex. Um, as we say at the yeah. end of the every episode of the Holly Wrestling Podcast, Kyle O'Reilly for NXT champion. <laughs>